The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Saints Happy Hour podcast, featuring Dave Cariello, Andrew Juge, Ralph Malbro, and when he decides to show up, Kevin Hell. We are the perfect blend of saint sincerity and stupidity. How many RPMs would it take for the Julio Copter to actually fly away, and how many fumbles would happen as a result? <laughs> well, that's a trick question because you can only fumble once. If you're not having fun when your team is 11 and 2 and back to back division titles for the first time in 50 years, then you need to stop watching. And now, here's your host, Ralph Malbrough. All right, welcome to a special Sunday edition of Saints Happy Hour podcast. We are live streaming for the third consecutive weeks where it is not a total fucking disaster. Am I correct on that, Andrew? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You are correct. Yeah. Well, so, I, I, um, will, I will say I, I had a chance to listen to the podcast that I did not attend uh, last week. <laughs> and I noticed that there was, and it, was, it, was it was addition by subtraction. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you, you say that, and yet I listened to talk about, um, let's see, Kevin Strodem. Oh, yeah, uh, my buddy. <laughs> Colin, there, there was also talk of Kevin's rectum. Yes. I have a, I have a good friend there of mine. There was Dave shooting down my April Fool's greatness. Um, yeah, I, I got a good buddy of mine who's who's a regular listener to our podcast, and he's actually a big fan, and, he, and he very much appreciates what we do, actually. And he said last week he, he had to turn it off after Kevin started talking about his balls. He just that stuff that's just stuff makes him kind of cringe or whatever. That's where he draws the line. <laughs> well, who knew? Who knew? Who knew that people draw the line at talking about <laughs> testicles? Well, I can tell you what we don't draw the line at, and that's sports gambling. So I would like to recommend Ooh, the segue. Yeah, damn, so, Ralph, you are a fucking master of of segues. So, so I want to recommend my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game betting, live betting, the most rewarding player perks in the business for you, fantasy guys out there, and even for over/under for fantasy players. We'll score each game. The NCAA basketball championship is tomorrow. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use the promo code HAPPY25 to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code HAPPY25 in creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. You play, you win, you get paid. Terms and conditions apply. Um, so I have to say, Andrew, two things that were really funny to me that happened over the weekends that are kind of, kind of not Saints related, but I think people will enjoy them anyway. David, who did our graphics, uh, for not the me. Saints Happy Hour after, not me, uh, not I think me. that he said they were, the, the graphics that I paid for were fucking terrible. He did the graphics we currently have now. He is a big Virginia Cavalier fan, he emailed me and said, I have to mute you and Andrew. I can't take your Virginia negativity. I might not do any more graphics for the show because because <laughs> Andrew hates Virginia with the, the, the passion of a thousand sons, and I just find Andrew's hatred of Virginia amusing. But Andrew called it the whole game. He's like, it doesn't matter what happens. Virginia's winning this game. I'm telling you. And it happened, Andrew, You and you were sad. That was wild. Yeah. That was a wild. Yeah. I told I told Ralph like I until the clock says zero zero, and in fact the clock did say zero zero, and UVA lost, <laughs> and somehow they they still won. But that's what they always do. They're on the ropes. I, the fun, the thing I find most annoying about college basketball is that 
there's been no upsets. This is like the only tournament ever where there's been one, two, three, and four seeds only pretty much advancing. And yet somehow UVA's path has been no higher than a five seed the whole way. Here's the thing that David brought up that, that was really funny, I thought. He mentioned that the guy who the, the uh, Bill Voinovich, right, the, the the referee that made the horrible call for the Saint in the Saints NFC Championship game, he's also a college basketball referee. He said, right. "Wouldn't it have been amazing if he'd have made the call against Auburn? Then he could have been hated for all eternity by two separate fan bases in two completely separate sports." So wait, let me so let, wait, let me ask this question because uh, yes, last night I was camping in Mississippi with my son for Cub Scouts, uh, but we did bring out a television and we were able to watch the game. Um, and I mean, I, I saw what happened, but I, I, I since we've come home, I haven't really gone on the internet or watched TV. I, I know that like previously, everybody feels that like the refs always favor Virginia, and. Are, are people now thinking that that was a BS call? I mean, because when we were there at the campsite, and one of the guys was like, "Well, he—you have to let the guy land. You have to—you have to let him land. If he—if he doesn't land after taking the shot, then that's a foul." And we were all saying, so he was saying that was a legitimate foul. So I mean, are people? Do people feel like that was a legit foul, or are people? No, I—I I, I think first of all, it's two things and, for me. And by the way, this is a Saints podcast. Yeah, the first thing that the first thing is. There was the blatant double dribble. I mean, Ty Jerome dribbles the ball off his foot, which which could arguably be a kickball. Then run runs the ball down, picks it up, starts to dribble again. Like that's a double dribble. So uh, the the that should have remember been a turnover. Game, remember that game, double dribble on Nintendo? Yeah, I do actually. That was a great game. It was Super oh, Nintendo. Yeah, was Super Genesis. Yeah. I probably played it on Genesis. Um, but they um. So they missed that call. Then, to me, the whole game, guys were getting murdered under the basket. They, they literally were not calling a foul if a guy was getting shanked. So, and, and that's why you saw at the end of the game there, with a minute left, both teams had three team fouls. And so they had to get a bunch of fouls in just to get the other team in the line because they weren't blowing the whistle on anything. So I just feel like when you look at the – massive contact that was happening under the rim the whole game and they were swallowing the whistles like for them to blow the whistle in that moment when there was pretty light contact uh, I, I realize it's away from the basket so it's a little bit different but I just hate officials like I mean to me it would be like officials saying yeah we're not going to call like light contact um and then and then call pass interference when they hadn't called it all game or you know in baseball like it's what it's what people always say about the strike zone i don't care how much it deviates from a different umpire just make sure it's consistent yeah that's the main thing thing they always say the only thing that made me i mean i don't really care about what virginia i don't care about auburn the only thing that made me mad about it was it made me remember the saints got fucked all over again that 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 was like uh yeah so i agree there that was was a that was a part of it where it's just like, oh, great, refs, a controversial call, refs affecting the outcomes of games in the dying seconds again. <laughs> um, and it brought me a, right a, back. It brought me right back to that dark place, man. So, yeah. So, well, so, OK, so that's a good point. So what about today? Uh, Is today the worst day of your life? Yeah. Uh, we, we really need like a wider array of sound bites. Like we're really we're really milking the, the three that we've got. <laughs> we, got um, th- we got more than three. We got like eight or nine. But wait, but but I mean that's a good question though. So like after this NFC Championship game, do we have? I forget somebody else. I, I didn't make this up. Uh, but I mean, do we really have PTSD, post-traumatic Saints disorder? Like, any time in any doesn't even matter the sport, uh, if there is some bullshit officiating, egregious yes. officiating error, like that's it. We're gonna like have flashbacks. Uh, you know, wake up in a cold sweat. We're gonna like hide. I do. All of a sudden, we're gonna hide under a table. Uh, you know, if we hear loud noises, it's gonna set us off. You know, like back I in do. Nam. I- Dave, I'll admit I do. I was going at people on Twitter, and I was going at media people because the thing that that drives me nuts after the Saints got 
screwed in the NFC Championship game. The thing that drives me, one of the things that drives me the most nuts, besides, besides the, Saint, the fact that the Saints didn't go to the Super Bowl, is the media, no matter how egregious the call, no matter that you can look at it and say it swung the outcome, the media will never admit the outcome got swung. Like, I saw people saying, oh, the refs call against Auburn. Yeah, it it affected the game. But let me tell you, the kid from Virginia sinking the free throws, he won the game. I'm like, Can we no. stop talking about UVA, please? Yeah, I like, just, it just annoys me that the media will never just say, oh, yeah, the ref fucked that up and the wrong team won. Like, they just, they cannot ever bring why, themselves why you to gotta do, do this to me ralph why you gotta do this to me ralph i know i'm just torturing you well well andrew <laughs> we don't have much to talk about because it's the deadest of dead periods for the saints um they haven't signed ziggy Ansa yet uh they haven't made any moves uh the only saint real saint i mean i'll talk i'll talk about andy tanner if it means i don't have to think <laughs> about uva well we is, he, is he on the team is he on the team? <laughs> well, well, we're going to segue to the draft is but three weeks away. And I know the Saints, they don't have any picks, so it's hard to get fired up. But we we talked about it on the pre-show. Well, hold, hold on. Let, let, let's, let's sit on that for a second. So is this the least excited you've been about a Saints draft that you can remember? I mean, Ditka, obviously, the year after they took Ricky Williams – that that was pretty unexciting. No, that was that was that wasn't that was exciting at, at least in a sense of it was complete. I know now it's like 19 years ago, so it's a generation ago. But but and maybe people don't remember it quite as well. But that off season and and that draft was exciting because the Saints had gone from the Bill Kuharic Ditka era of we don't know how to deal with free agency and manage the draft to Randy Mueller and Hazlitt where they signed like 15 dudes in free agency and during the draft even though they didn't have the first round pick they had the rest of the picks and up to then they were trying to maneuver and they were it was rumors that they were going to do stuff I mean it was a different time on the internet obviously so there was excitement I would say I haven't been this uh, I haven't been this unexcited about a Saints draft since 2012 when they had traded the 2012 number one away for Ingram and Goodell took away the number two because of Bounty Gate. So they didn't pick until the third round. I would say this is the 2012. Oh, that was, that was the year we, Akeem Hicks was our first pick, right? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. I remember being like, we waited this long for who? (laughs) We were furious. Saints fans were losing it, man, about Akeem Hicks. Yeah, they were they were sure. So, I mean, this draft is unexciting. So that's why we did these draft spotlights for people who didn't catch the live stream and and the pre the the, the behind the scenes talk that me and Dave did while we were waiting for Andrew to get connected with us. Um, so we tried to, we, we we really tried to work hard to get people excited for this draft, and we feel like with the new revenue we have from the the patrons and such, we have more access to do stuff. And the amazing thing is, Andrew, before we play the first Irv Smith one that people haven't heard, now that we have this budget. We've sent Andrew like all over the country, and he's talking to like scouts and people. We they they have given us nuggets that you wouldn't believe. They're just spilling their guts. I don't know if Andrew is taking them to bars or titty clubs or whatever, but he's getting these great all of the quotes. above. Yeah. He's getting these great quotes. Now the one thing we have to do, I read the quote because a lot of times the scouts are like, we can't go on the record, so I read the quotes and, and make them anonymous. For the first one, it'll be me reading the quote. But the but the other ones, we have got this great technology where any scouts quote we turn it into. It sounds exactly like Andrew. It's the most amazing technology that we have, and these quotes are a hundred percent possibly not real. It may be the onion, but you know you have to judge for yourself whether you believe our information is is as good as Mike Dettelier or Mel Kuyper or Mick Shea. You can make that judgment for yourself, but we did these spotlights. We think they're legit. We think our information and our grading system that Andrew devised and worked on, we think it's legit, right, Andrew? We, we're proud of these. Oh, I mean, I, I would stack them up against, uh, you know, Mel Kuyper and uh, his uh, – what's his buddy again? I forget his name. Uh, Todd McShea. Todd McShea. Oh, yeah. Those guys, those guys have nothing on us. In in fact, I would not be surprised if after 
all this info is leaked and other you know organizations get it there will be an owner offering us a gm job uh much like the dude for the raiders another guy i'm blanking <laughs> on his Mayock. name yeah my yeah mayock yeah we're, we're gonna get offered a gm job based on these scouting reports i think there's a non there's like a five percent chance that like right after the draft andrew is like i'm leaving ESPN Insider <laughs> has hired me away because my nuggets and my ability to pull things out of scouts is unmatched. Uh, he's like the Adam Schefter of draft analysts. So, so we got the first one. Some people might have seen it on Twitter, but if you haven't, we're going to play it now. I think it's amazing. I think the information that we're going to give you guys these next three weeks is going to blow your mind, and you're going to be coming here. You're going to be wanting more of this. Our dra- This is going to be the center of your draft day world. You're going to want to know what scouts are telling the Saints Happy Hour Power po- podcast. So here's our first draft day, uh, Saints Happy Hour draft day spotlight. This week's Saints Happy Hour Draft Day Spotlight is Irv Smith Jr. of Alabama. The 6'2", 242-pound tight end potentially could carry on the grand tradition of his father, Irv Smith Sr., which was being a highly drafted tight end who disappoints Saints fans. Fun fact about Irv Smith Sr., his three-cone drill score in 1993 was sadness, drops, and irrelevance. Irv Smith Jr. has serious questions about his short arms. One anonymous AFC scout said, and I quote, he has the arms of a fucking T-Rex. He can't even get cereal from the top shelf in the grocery. Would you trust a guy who needs a step stool to get lucky charms? Bill Belichick stays away from fat milfs and tight ends with short arms. That's how Super Bowl titles get won. Irv Smith Jr.'s final Saints Happy Hour Draft Day Spotlight score, 7.8, with a hint of Saints Draft Day Legacy Sadness. This has been the Saints Happy Hour Draft Day Spotlight. I mean, you go anywhere, you're not going to get that kind of nugget. I mean, Andrew... It hits, it hits hard. It's, I mean, Andrew was crisscrossing the country on secret visits, going to strip clubs. I mean, Andrew has no... Because Andrew just wants to get you people the, the information, so he, he has no moral compass, so he would give drugs, strip clubs, you name it. He was plying... Well, I, I want to thank everyone for their donations because it yeah. allowed me to fund the private jet to get to all these meetings. Yeah, and that's why, like, if you... If, if you, Dave's mom especially, thank you for the private <laughs> jet donation. Yes. Yes. Meanwhile, ask, why, me how much, ask me how much of this money I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we can't – I don't see any. we, we got to give it all to Andrew for his expense report, his expense account. So that's why if you donate at the $3.28 level and you get to it by May, we give you a free beer koozie that Dave designed, and we can do more of this – great draft day coverage we can do it for the year during the year uh to preview other uh saints related uh news so we're gonna have we got four more of these we may do more uh we're, we're trying we try to to do it as people that it's possible that the saints could either pick at 62 or people we think they might move up to get so irv smith uh do, do you feel good about him, Andrew, that the, it's, it, 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 the Saints drafting two people named, named Irv Smith and having them both be failures? That would be nearly impossible, perhaps. But So how do you feel about the Saints if they would draft well, Irv it, Smith again? Well, not, not that he was terrible. He was actually pretty good. But uh, there, there is a Mark Fields also in this draft. Oh my um, God, so I'm, I'm just gonna I'm, I'm just gonna throw that out there. Um, so we, we could we could go we could go double whammy with this draft and get both. I, I would personally love to get Irv Smith. Um, yeah, it, it's funny the way you set this up because I agree it it, it kind of feels like le- legacy sadness was the term you used, which I really like. Um, but I I think he's a great player, and I think obviously the Saints need a tight end. Uh, Jared Cook will be nice for a year, maybe two, but um, they need they need youth. They need youthful talent at that position, and I don't think Irv Smith will fall to them. Uh, but if he did, I would absolutely take him. Dave, when 
do you think, or, or as you're watching the draft, and and let's just, let's let's take Andrews that he really likes Irv Smith, and let's say the Saints do too. How far does Irv Smith have to fall before you start thinking the 2020 Saints number one is in play for them to get Irv Smith? Like, like <laughs> you know, like if he gets picked, if he gets picked, if, if he's still there at 10, it does, it's not, it's not low enough. But when does, when does he, right, right. when is he on the board where you're like, oh, 2020 is in play? What, what's he like normally projected at right now? He's projected in the, in the mid to late 20s. Oh. Mm. I've seen him as high as 16, though. Yeah. So, yeah, he's probably going to go later first round. So, I, I mean, I, what, what is that noise? Is anybody else hearing that? Uh, You're probably hearing me typing. I'm in the chat. No, no. I'm <laughs> hearing, oh. like, a, uh, I don't know, a weird whining noise. Anyway, um, <laughs> it could just be my brain. But, um, uh, so, I mean, I would say... You know, I guess maybe like, you know, the last one or two picks in the first round, I would say. Um, I, I don't think the Saints are going to be trading up. I, I don't think the tra- Saints are going to be trading anywhere into the into the 20s in the first round. I think the cone of uncertainty so. starts at like 27, 28. Yeah, I, I think we're kind of on the same page. I'm thinking like 20, 29, 30, but... Um, I, I, yeah, that, 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 I could see them trading up into that, but if he, if he's there, if he's there, you know, they after, get antsy. It's the first day they, they have, they, you know, they're not going to have any action on day one. They're going to be antsy. They're going to be watching everybody else, <laughs> making these moves, getting these new players. And they're just going to like, get that itch, you know, like we, we got to get it back. We got to get in the first round. We got to get in the first round. Uh, and, and maybe they'll do something late, but other than that, uh, I don't see it. I, you know. I, I would say I would say if he fell out of the first round entirely and he goes into day two, um, oh, if then he, all if, bets are off. All bets are if off. He, Andrew, if he goes in, if 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 Irv Smith isn't picked in the first round, that day break until the evening where round two is, I I mean, how much money would you bet that the Saints trade with Arizona to get that number one pick or number thirty three to get Irv Smith? Um, they're gonna trade for something. It's just a question of what. <laughs> That's right. They're not. There's no way they're. they're there's no way they're standing pat. You don't think there's no any chance. way they stay at six? They're they're moving up from sixty-two, is what you're saying. Mm. I, if 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 we were in Vegas and we were betting, I, I would. That would be what I would put my money on. Yes. Yes. A ninja coordinator says you're not crazy, Dave. He hears a whistle. Like a kettle. Yes, exactly. That's ex- thank you very are much. Are you still are you still hearing it? No, no, it's gone. Okay, hmm. I don't know. I, I don't hear it either. Which usually, uh, if it's background noise, okay. Well, usually, I just if it's heard a, that, too. that was terrible. if it's a background noise, it's either my cat, uh, me forgetting to unplug my laptop from the wall, or um, the cat's drinking water fountain which has a hum in the background but it's not a kettle noise um so you really like Irv Smith Andrew we made the joke profile I just look at him and he needs a stool to get his lucky charms he needs a school stool to get his lucky charms um I just I don't like him I don't want the Saints I don't want the Saints drafting another Irv Smith uh I I like like the I like the stat about the short arms. I don't. I don't. I don't. I have other guys that I like better. You you the, like you like the catch radius, huh? Yeah. Well, the, here's the thing. I don't. The thing is for Irv Smith for the Saints to move and burn the 2020 first round pick. Like Irv Smith's got to He's not good enough for that. Like if he if if he fell and they moved from like 60 to like 35 and gave up like a 2020 second or whatever, you know, something like that, I'd be like, that's okay. But, man, I don't – to me, giving up 62 and your 2021st for Irv Smith, uh, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. I, I just – like, b- giving away future first-round picks is very, very bad business. And the Saints, it worked out okay with Davenport. I'd prefer them not to do it again. But if they're going to do it again, it's got to be for better than Irv Smith. That's what I'm saying. 
Uh, so that's the first Saints draft day spotlight. We'll have more as we go, and we might even have a couple. Next week we might even have two. So you need to, you need to uh, you need to tune in. And if you're a patron, patrons may probably get a sneak preview of the draft day spotlight profiles. So you should become a patron at the seven dollar level so you can get the four extra podcasts a week. All right, so. Um, because we're in the dead period and we don't have that much to talk about, I asked people, I asked you guys to think about this topic. And the reason why I thought about this topic was uh, we did the spotlights, the, the patron spotlights, and I did one with Kips from uh, Ireland, and I did one uh, from uh, somebody from Glasgow. And they told me stories about watching Saints games in uh, United Kingdom. Uh, watching games in Thailand, watching games uh, in a bar at 4 a.m. all by themselves where they paid the bar to stay open so they could watch Saints games. So it got me thinking, Andrew, what's the weirdest place you watched or followed a Saints game? Not like the worst experience, but like the weirdest experience where you were watching or trying to follow the Saints. Yeah. Uh, well, when I moved, so I have a few that come to mind. I mean, when I moved this year, um, DirecTV was kind of stonewalling me for a couple of weeks. And so I did not have DirecTV until I think the third week of the season. And so I was stuck going to Fuzzy's Tacos. I mean, there, there were several bars here in Charlottesville that had DirecTV, but they kind of didn't have great situations where you know, I'd have to sit at a table and it was crowded and, you know, the Saints would probably be on one of the smaller TVs. So I kind of found that Fuzzy's Tacos had all the games and no one was in there for the most part. So like I could kind of have a booth to myself and a game right there. So like it was the best situation. But man, sitting for three and a half hours in a Fuzzy's Taco is that a uh, chain? What's fu- I don't know what Fuzzy's Tacos is. Yeah, Fuzzy's Tacos. There's That's one in Baton Coast. Rouge, I know. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, there's one in Baton Rouge right next to my um, in-laws' house. But I don't, I don't think there's one in New Orleans. I, there might be one on Veterans, actually. There might I know be a, a guy, I know a guy named Fuzzy in Baton Rouge, and let me tell you something. You, would, you wouldn't want to go anywhere near his tacos. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I, that was pretty awkward. I mean, just sitting at a Fuzzy's taco, I, I was really questioning my life. Like, my wife and kids are at home. My life. I'm sitting at a Fuzzy's taco for three and a half hours. And, and watching the Saints lose to Tampa at home and almost lose to the Browns at home. Because that's what was going on yes. early in the season. So, like, I was I was really questioning my life. And, you know, I, I mean, I felt like I had to keep ordering beers because I, I felt guilty about being there for three and a half hours. So I was, like, right on the cusp of, like, should I be driving home? Like, you know, it, it, it was fine. It was, like, two and a half, three beers. But it was just, like, over, you know, a long period of time. But I don't know. Anyway, that was weird. Um, when I was a kid – uh, I lived in Paris, as you know, and for the most part, I would watch games. So back then, we had an American VHS player, and my grandpa, my dad's dad, would vi- would videotape every Saints game and mail it to me, and I would get it a week later. And back then, with technology, I really had no way other than an international call of finding out the score. There was no n- news in France wasn't reporting on NFL scores at the time, so um, – I unless I like read the Herald Tribune, there was no way I could really stumble on the score. So I would wait a week for the games, the and, and just watch them on tape. Um, the one exception to that was whenever the Saints were on the Armed Forces Network, they would show one game a week, and occasionally, I mean, very rarely, because usually it was Cowboys or Redskins, but very rarely if they would be on the Armed Forces Network. Um, my mom worked at the American embassy and I could go watch them at the American embassy. And that was just really weird. Cause you're sitting there in a room full of Marines who are really, <laughs> who are really rowdy. And obviously like they're, they're abroad and you know, they're holding guns and, you know, manning the station or whatever. So like watching football on Sunday is like 
the greatest night of their life, basically. You know, are during they just their, pounding their time beers? Are they like off the off the clock? They're off the clock. They're pounding beers, and so I'm like at this point, I'm like an eight year old. I'm like my son's age, and there's these blackout Marines like dropping f bombs. My mom and dad are sitting there with me watching the games, and like <laughs> it's just kind of awkward for an eight year old to hear all these loose lip Marines while I watch the Saints. But like that. I mean, my parents let me do it because they're like, he loves the Saints. What are you going to do? So but that was – I don't know how – I don't know that was necessarily weird, but it was definitely that's a little weird. awkward for me as a kid. That's weird. My story is really it, – it's not – Wait a minute. Weird. Wait a minute. Before we – wait, wait. Before we get to Ralph's story, I have – I have actually have some questions. For yes. <laughs> no, I'm serious because, because some things – while you were talking, Andrew, some things kind of just dawned on me that I had never even thought about, and I've known you for like 10 years now. Yeah. Um, I, I knew that you lived in France, but how, how – what, when did you live in France? How, how long did you live in France and from what ages? Okay, so when I was six months old, uh, I moved there and I was there until I was 12. So, okay, okay, no, no, stop right there. Okay, yeah. so this is, this is what, this is what I've, I never even thought about because I knew that you lived in France for a good part of your life or whatever, but this is yeah. what I never even thought about. This was the 80s, early 90s. Correct. This was before the internet. And, and you guys, all of you people that listen to this podcast and you listen to both Ralph and Andrew, and I was talking about this with my friend who I was talking about earlier, who's a big fan, and I was, and he agreed with me, I was talking, you know, just both of you have this like almost like a, a bizarre photographic memory <laughs> of saints and the players and, and everything. I mean, I, I, I'm serious. I, I think you guys should be tested or something, but, but like... <laughs> You guys, like more than anybody I know, I mean, you guys remember like just even the most, even so the most what? random players. But my point is, is that, so Ralph, you lived in New Orleans, so it was easy for you to have access to the Saints games, Saints news, that kind of stuff. Andrew has all of this knowledge from his childhood that he still retains, and he had to acquire all of that knowledge in a foreign country that yes. doesn't give a shit about football, that doesn't give a shit about NFL. And he just said right now he had to have his family mail him VHS tapes from the United States. Snail mail. This is an email, people. <laughs> Snail mailed him the tapes. And Andrew must have been so obsessed with the Saints that he would put them in his VCR. He'd watch them. And and maybe that's actually maybe that's why. Well, so, so I think we're, we're, we're I think the, kind of felt the, like the, thing, the thing about this, Dave, is that I, I mean, I didn't really enjoy watching French TV. So when I would get these VHSs, I would just watch the game like three or four times. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. So, that's, so that so now I'm so now I, I so think that now you're starting answer. to understand. Well, that's so the Andrew. That, that's why Andrew remembers everything because he almost he, he it was it was his only you know his only in, information his only source of information and he almost he practically right. studied it when he was a right. kid. Now the kids these days they have Netflix wow, and Amazon Prime and they go to the movies and they do. You know, ki- kids these days have all these different entertainment sources, and so me, there's almost there, there's almost so much stuff for you to get into these days that it's like impossible to do it all. You just kind of dabble in everything. Me, I was watching Saints VHSs all day, every day. That's so Andrew, it. So wow, Andrew, what's the window of years, years for this? What, th- this this six to twelve where you're watching these VC VHS tapes? Like what? Yeah. What Saints years are and these? These are formidable. These are your most formidable years, what, by the like, way. What are these? Are these the more the year I years? the year? Well, I was born in 1980, so like the year I got hooked was 87 when that first year they made the playoffs. Okay. So this is pre. You were watching VHS tapes of peak Mora, like '87 oh, yeah. and '93. Oh yeah. This is like so. This is good stuff. I mean, it isn't. Yeah. It isn't get good. It is. It is. It isn't even like the Mora decline years. This is peak Mora. So this is good stuff. Peak I mean, Mora. this is this yeah. is twelve. The Saints were good. Nine. I mean, they weren't winning playoff games, but they. But they were winning games. I mean, you the know, regular they, season games were fun. Yeah. So this was good. But this the, was, I, I just I remember. I mean, speaking of photographic, like the year for me. So 87, 88, and then 89 was that year that Dalton Hilliard scored 18 touchdowns. And I I liked LSU also, and I would – my grandpa wouldn't do all the LSU games because you couldn't get them all on TV in New Orleans at the time. But, like, he'd send me a handful of LSU games too. And, like, I just thought Dalton Hilliard was, like, the greatest thing ever. And so for him to go to the Saints – College football was different than LSU being on TV – whether it was CBS or ESPN, was a huge 
deal. They were probably only on probably maybe half their games, if that, you know? So it wasn't it wasn't like it is now where LSU, you can watch them every week. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So anyway, I, I just, uh, that, that's what got me hooked. I mean, I was into it, you know, in 87 and 88, but like when Dalton Hilliard went from LSU to the Saints and then he had that massive year where he was an all-pro, um, that was hooked, completely hooked. Mm-hmm. So... My story uh, isn't quite as uh, heartwarming as Andrew's. Uh, I was living in Oakland in 2006, and that was 2006. The Saints were rocking and oh, no, I wasn't living in. Yeah, was I? Yeah, I was. So that was the the year after Katrina. Yeah, the year after Katrina. So I'm in Oakland. Reasons first. Year. And uh, yeah. And uh, did you make it back the- for the Gleason game or no? I did. I went back. I went back for the Gleason game. I went back for the playoff game uh, against Philadelphia. But the the it was the game against the Falcons. Uh, the 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 road. It was the road game in Atlanta. So uh, my girlfriend at the time she got mad at me because she wanted me to go to this Herbalife pyramid scheme. I'm like, I'm not going to your champion <laughs> champions Herbalife breakfast. I'm watching. Do I look like Drew Brees and Advocare? Yeah, I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to that. I'm going down the, to the, down the street to the, the bar that was named the Big Easy Bar, and I'm watching the Saints play the Falcons. So I go down there, and the thing was, it. I'm gonna try to say this in a night politically, co- politically correct way, so I don't offend anybody. And it wasn't a gay bar. It wasn't an LGBT bar, but they had a big rally in Oakland that day. For uh, I forget what it was, but it was a huge rally at Lake Merritt for the LBGT, LBG, the the community, the, the oh, gay. Yeah. I'll just say gay community because I'll just step over. Just call them Tix Bliss. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll just like say Elmer the gay Fudd. community because I'll just step over it nine thousand times. So <laughs> the gay community has this <laughs> rally, right? And this bar is like their staging area. So I'm going there and I'm watching the Saints and the Falcons, and it's just. It's their a menagerie area. of the gay community of Oakland just showing up. Just wonderful people. And I sat next to a lovely person. Linda was her name. She was a huge Saints fan. And uh, me and her bonded. Uh, I feel like she... this story is going to end with Ralph saying that he lost a bet and that he had to do a Robert Kraft-style massage. No, it no, 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 no. But... Me, you know, me and Linda, we bonded and we drank. We got really excited over the uh, Devery Henderson Hail Mary at the end, or the, the it wasn't Devery Henderson, it was um, Terrence Copper, his Hail Mary at the end of the first half. Um, oh, right, yes. So, so against the, uh, who's the Falcons. Against? Oh, right, 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 yeah. right. So it was just really fun, and, and just, just cause, because at the start of the game, it wasn't really that many people. Wait, so is your girlfriend at the herbal shop right now? Well, all this is going on. Herbalife. She's probably hawking like vitamins or whatever. Herbalife. Herbalife is basically like Advocare. It's like that's like their competitor. But did your girlfriend know that you were there, like sweet, you know, kind of charming some other lady? (laughs) Linda. Linda, yeah. No, no. She, she didn't realize I was I was I was bonding. Uh, yeah, how old was, no, how so old was Linda? Yeah, how old that? was Linda? How old how was Linda? Linda was probably like in her in her, her like fifties. Ooh. And you were yeah. what, like about thirty at the time? What's that? Late 20, and how old were you? You were like what, late twenties at the time? I was like like tw- like thirty. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> no. Linda Linda was somebody that was at this bar that I was at that I was watching the Saints game. She was getting ready for the LG, the the gay pride march. He didn't even he didn't even try. He, he got one letter in and he was like, "Fuck it, I'm not even doing." He was like, "The L, uh, never mind." Yeah. Um I don't I don't know how to say this. Linda um uh, Linda you, Linda used to not you guys be kept Linda, in touch? I think. Um but she was very nice 
and she Linda, was a Saints if you're fan. Listening. If she, she was very nice, and she was a Saints fan uh, just because of Katrina. She's like, I decided the Saints well, are my team a, now. She was a sympathetic Saints fan. Yeah, she is a sympathetic Saints yeah. fan. But She was an SSF. Yeah, but SSF. she had she had a um, she didn't have a uh, she didn't have a jer- she didn't have a jersey on, but she had like a um, some masking tape that she hand wrote. No, she had like a like a um, like a palm like a little like a little Saints pom pom that she was <laughs> during the game. Oh, oh, she's hardcore, dude. She's hardcore. Yeah, like if you had a pom pom, <laughs> that's that's hardcore. Um, You're like trying to like defend her how her her Saints fandom. She probably showed up to that bar and was like, "I'm just gonna root for the most for the team of the guy, the most desperate dude in the bar. I'm gonna root for that team, <laughs> and then I'm gonna take him in the bathroom." <laughs> so anyway, that's my Saints story. It was it was it was cool. It, but by the end of by like one o'clock, I believe that I was the only straight person in that bar. And also you found out that Linda was in fact a man. No, Linda was Linda. I don't I don't we're not gonna we're not gonna we're not gonna disparage people's life choices, Dave. <laughs> you know. I'm not disparaging them, I'm just saying. <laughs> she went to me. She was she was it was it was lovely. That's my uh that's my Saints uh experience. Um, and it was truly like a like a Saints California experience. So, Dave, what was your uh, experience? Um, well, Ralph, actually, you know, you you played a large part in my in my experience. Um, uh, well, you know, this this was kind of hard for me because obviously I go to all the home games. Haven't missed a home game since 2004. So uh, every single home game I've been to. So uh, yeah, here we go. You have to eliminate half of the games right there. So I only have half of the games to, to work with. Uh, but no, there was a time. Uh, it was two. No, no. It was probably about three years ago. It was one of the seven and nine seasons, and uh, I had to be in. I had to be somewhere for a work, a a meeting with my trade association. I own a store, obviously, as everybody knows, and I'm actually, my store and me are actually members of a trade association of other stores uh, like mine from all around the country at different college towns. And uh, I actually happen to be the president of the organization. And so we had a meeting one time wherever uh, and we had a meeting during a Saints game, and it was the last game of the season. I think it was against the Falcons, and I had an iPad, and Ralph let me use his <laughs> his uh, NFL Network or DirecTV, whatever. Login, yeah. Uh, yeah, the login info. So I'm standing there in, in the front of the room um, at a podium with the iPad on and the Saints game on, and I have a room full of other store owners, um, and I'm leading this meeting, and at the same time, and you know, the meeting is, you know, it's 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 multifaceted. You know, it's not the meeting isn't just me talking. It's it's people, other people talking, and conversations, and presenters, and that kind of stuff. But so I'm leading this meeting and making sure this meeting is goes off without a hitch. Uh, all, all while I'm watching the Saints play the Falcons, and this was the game. Who, who was it? Somebody had, somebody had an interception for the Saints, and he like never got interceptions, and he got one late in the game. This was a Week 17 game, and I and I was expecting you guys to remember this. Uh, and it, there was it's... a it was a wild ending, and it was the final. It, there was there was. The game was pointless. There was no playoff. It was one of the seven and nine seasons, but we won it, and it was like a crazy ending. I don't remember what it was now. And this sounds like the Tampa game where Jairus Bird got two picks, no? Was that the final game of the season? I think so. Are you talking about the Tampa game where he had two picks? What year was that? That's probably, I mean, it was 2016 or 17. No, 16, they got crushed by Atlanta in the season finale. Maybe they 2015. Did? So maybe that was. Uh, I don't know. I would have thought it was 2016, but I don't remember it being against Tampa. I remember it being against the Falcons. I'm gonna look it up while while you guys continue. Oh oh oh, oh oh oh! Wait, on the road or at home? On the road. road. Oh no, you were talking. To, was it Banjo? No, it was. Uh, oh, who was that? Remember he he had a and come then we in kicked the, the field goal and he, he 
he he came in the slot and then uh, they tried to run that curl route yeah. to the running back and he stepped in front of Devonte Freeman and picked it off. Okay, well I didn't remember was, all of oh those. Oh my teams. god, who was that? I think was it Banjo? <laughs> no, not, he wasn't on the team at the it's time. It's not Banjo, it was, but it was like it was a third. Oh, Jamarcus Sanford. It was Jamarcus Sanford. That's, That's who it was. the kick returner. Yes, Jamarcus Sanford. It was yeah. Jamarcus. God, you guys, you, you, I need to come up with a word for it because it's, it's not photographic memory. It's, it's like a saintographic memory. I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to call it. But it's, Jamarca it's, Sanford. It's, it's, there you go, Andrew. It was him, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. So wait, what year was that? 2015. Yep. 2015. God, the years just melt away. Yeah, they do. <laughs> um. So, does anybody... yeah, I remember they. I remember they interviewed him after the game, and they were just like, it, it kind of blew my mind because he's like, yeah, I've been watching tons of tape of, you know, just in case, because the dude like never saw the field. He was a backup safety, but he was a special teams guy, and he never saw the field. And they were like, how did you know he was gonna throw it there? And he's like, well, I watched like tons of tape, and I just knew in their two minute offense, like they always run that route, and so I was kind of expecting it to be there. And sure enough, like he tried to dump it off and it, he th threw it right at me. And I, it, I just found it mind blowing that a backup safety that didn't see the field all year was studying the tape that closely that he picked up on that tendency and was able to take advantage of it. I mean, it, it was incredible. People in the chat room, fire questions uh, before we get out of here. We'll answer them because I since we were doing the live chat, I didn't solicit questions on the Twitters. Um, so, let me see if they have any in here. Um, here's a question. Our 20, this is from Ninja Coordinator. Uh, our 2015 draft wasn't good, but now that we're bringing in other teams' 2015 first-rounders, are we now improving our 2015 draft through the belated back door? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. When are we going to – when When do we get a replacement for Kyrie Fort? Yeah, it's a great question. No, I mean, I think what you're seeing more and more is a lot of these draft busts, you know, guys that are out of the league in two or three years, uh, which happens all the time. I, I think a lot of teams are, are just basically saying, hey, come to our rookie camp and we'll see how you stack up against, you know, these UDFAs and, and these veterans. And so, you know, I think you're seeing more and more. I mean, that's how uh, – let's see. What was the uh, – who's the center? Uh, Lolito? No, it wasn't Lolito. Who, who was the, um, the guard that, that was on the Saints, the backup guard, like the primary? I think he's still on the team, the veteran. Um, Ralph, help me out. You're talking Laribius? Yeah, Laribius. So, like, yeah, Laribius was a veteran – and he had an injury, and so he, he he was out of a job, and he was one of those guys that just showed up at the Saints rookie camp, and he ends up getting a contract. So I think you're going to see more and more of that, guys that are third, fourth, fifth-year players that show up to these rookie camps, and they actually impress and outperform everyone, and they end up getting contracts that way. That's what happened with Luribius. Luribius goes on to end up being a pretty successful backup with the Saints in terms of at least being on the team and being a role player. Um, and so – I think you'll see more of this as we get closer to camp. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point. I mean, the 2015 draft is kind of sneaky terrible. Like, if Pete leaves after this year or they don't extend him, man, that draft yeah. is – You know, we didn't, we didn't – we haven't talked about that Saints did actually make news <laughs> as, we, as we get, like – as we're like in like 52 minutes into this podcast, the Saints actually made news, and we didn't ask Dave his opinion on it. They bring in PJ Williams back. Dave, are you are you as excited as me and Andrew were? I said it was the Saints' 2019 secondary is now the best secondary in Saints history. Uh, now that PJ Williams is going to be back for at least one more year. Yeah, I mean it's good. I, I'm I don't necessarily want PJ Williams to be my starting cornerback, but I mean it's great if if. If if that's the quality of your depth, and he's your fourth guy, or your well, you, you know, know the bubonic plague is going to hit their ass, and in, in October right, exactly. it's going to be it's going to be PJ Williams and Crawley yeah. starting the corner. Like no, I'm I'm uh, <laughs> I I would be definitely worried about Crawley. Um, 
I uh, no, I'm all for stockpiling cornerbacks. I, I think that you, you know, just like it's kind of like running backs. Uh, uh, you know, you you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna need to you know you're you're gonna need depth, and you're gonna need to to go to your third and your fourth guys at some point during the season. Yeah. Um, Andrew, we talked about it last week on the podcast, but for people that aren't that don't pay seven dollars a month, but they should. So they would have got it last week before your thoughts on PJ Williams. Um, yeah, I mean that I'm, I'm happy he's back. Um, I think it's one of those things where, you know, ultimately you're only as good as your fifth corner. Uh, I'm glad Ken Crawley's back too. I know he's hated by saints fans, but I think, you know, you need, you need a fifth guy there because what happens if two guys go down in camp and, you know, you start playing guys you don't really want to. You don't want that to be UDFAs. You want guys with experience. Yeah. So, And cor- the thing about corner is there are a lot of positions like guard or linebacker or, or if, you know, if you if this, God forbid, the Saints had injuries at defensive end, you could, like, scheme up blitzes and stuff. But the way the NFL is in 2019, you cannot hide. You can't hide. We know it from the three years of terrible defense, you know, uh, 14, 15, and 16, you cannot hide shitty corners like Brandon Browner. And you cannot hide when your corners are, when you get so depleted. Because what happens is teams just look at it. I mean, they did it when um, they had, I'm, I'm forgetting the, I'm forgetting the name, his, his nickname on Twitter was Ghost Corner. Uh, and he went to Tampa Bay. Um, uh, PJ BW Webb? No, no, no. He was from Texas A and M, and and he was oh. a corner, and he was a UDFA. Oh, Devonte Harris. Devonte Harris, yeah. Like in the Rams game in 2017, the Rams just at the end of the game, instead of burning clock, they were just like, "Where's Devonte Harris? Throw it his ass!" <laughs> and they just yeah. did it at the end of the game instead of running the ball because they were like, "He can't stop us," and that is what happens when you have injuries at corners like teams will just find them and destroy them even I mean granted the Rams uh they're a very good offense with McVay and everything but even bad teams will do that. they just find your bad corner and just throw at them and until the until the, either they win or the clock hits zero um if you have shitty corners you're gonna have a bad time <laughs> Let me ask you guys this if PJ Williams and Patrick Robinson both get through training camp healthy and Playing at the level we expect them to. Hallelujah. Well, let's ex- Hallelujah. Let, let's Hallelujah. say that. Hallelujah. You done? Hallelujah. <laughs> so. Just kidding. I'm done. <laughs> Eli Apple. We're gonna assume he's the number two. So yeah. who who would you want as your nickel guy? P. Rob or P. J. That's tough, man. Because, well, here's do you, do you, do you, here's my I thing. Mean, I have I have never I have never seen Patrick Robinson really play well in a Saints uniform. I keep hearing about how well he did in Philadelphia. I haven't seen that yet here in New Orleans. I don't know if it's the low altitude, the humidity. I don't know what it is. But until I fucking see Patrick Robinson actually play well wearing black and gold, I'm not going to fucking believe it. I'm done. Thank you. I'm not. I'm not sure we've seen PJ Williams play that well either. Dude, that Minnesota game was awesome. He was getting roasted in that game before yeah. he made those two plays. Patrick yeah. Robinson had that game on Monday Night Football where he got roasted continually by Michael Vick and then had the hundred-yard interception return. Yeah, that was um, a thing of beauty. I think you know this is gonna. I think I would go PJ Williams, Andrew, just because of this, and we and we talked about it. Is you can say PJ, you can knock PJ Williams up and down. But the thing about that dude is he will throw his body around and he is reckless with his body. And I think in 2019 in the NFL corners tackling is more important than it used to be even four or five years ago, because the teams, they run that college offense of these bubble screens and these little pick plays and corners really have to be aggressive and be able to tackle the other line of scrimmage. And PJ Williams, he'll do that, and he'll throw his his body around, and I like that about him. So if you gave me a choice, I think I'd take PJ Williams. It's crazy as that sounds. I can't believe I can't until, believe until he gets injured because of his reckless behavior. Yes. 
Well, the thing about him is, too, he'll be really motivated, Dave, because he, he dewied his way out of, like, $20 million. <laughs> True that. Hope it was worth it. Uh, new Uber would have only cost him 20 <laughs> So uh, Tough break, that, kid. Tough yeah, break. That, tough break he gets five million he, he can he can he can be good again and, and get another contract it's not over for him um so let's see we have one more question is there anything else we can do to further lock in the d-line entering next season um i mean they've already paid a lot of attention to the d-line um you know obviously they lose okafor uh tyler davison is still in limbo uh, Onyemata could be staring at a suspension. We don't know. Rankins is coming back from an injury. He's going to miss probably the beginning of the season. So a lot is weird about the defensive line. So they sign uh, Mario Edwards, who is going to be a role player. Malcolm Brown is probably the big signing of this free agent class for the Saints besides Jared Cook. And, um, you know, I expect him to play a lot, and I'm hoping that he'll play well. Um, but, and then, you know, obviously they've poked around with, uh, Quinn and they've poked around with Ansa. So oh, I think, gonna happen. I think Ansa is going to happen. I, yeah. I still think that's still very much in play because the thing is no other team has offered him anything and which is very not- surprising to me. Oh, right. Okay. This is <laughs> Ralph. What you, just, <laughs> what you just said is like the red flag. You just. Okay, you know, you know what they say in business. If uh, if you're making a deal, or you know, you're sitting around a table and you're making a deal, and you don't see the and you don't see the loser in the deal, you're the loser. Okay. Yeah, so if you're telling me that all these other teams are looking at Ansa and none of them are and none of them are offering him a deal, then maybe the Saints shouldn't be the ones that offer him a deal. God, what what must that medical report look like for his shoulder? I mean, he must just be awful. <laughs> it's it's just like uh, it's like missing a limb, I guess. Or it's like because I found like a, a baseball sized tumor. But the thing is, I mean, the, the thing is, like a shoulder injury is not that scary to me for a defensive end like that. I mean, knee, I would be like, yeah, that that could be bad, or you know, or well, the back thing injury, is, I'd say, I don't know if he'll ever be the same. But well, the thing is, I think it could be. With him, is he wants a little bit of something guaranteed, and teams are like, no. And cl- but, but clearly, my point, Dave, is he's not going to get anything from anybody. So all the offers are going to be equal, right? So I think if, if well, is it, offers- but is it that, or is it that he wants ten million dollars because he thinks he's an awesome sack guy, and teams are like, well, we'll give you five, you know, because we know you're a good player, but you're injured, but we're not going to, you know, we're not going to give you what you're asking for. And he's like, no, I want elite pass rusher money. Mate. I mean, mate. Well, the thing is, the thing is for him, think about it. This though, Andrew, if they're really, if teams are, if his shoulder, which I think it's, his shoulder was bad because when they, when it, when it, when the agent comes out and says, Oh no, no, we weren't going to do anything anyway until the next medical report came out, which Rappaport reported. Like when you admit that, that means his shoulder is fucked. But I, I think with him is, he may think of it as like, well, look, all these teams are offering me two, three, four million dollars. You know what? I'm gonna wait till August and see if a defensive end gets hurt, and then some team. And I'll be further me. along in my rehab. I'll be further along yeah. in my rehab, and teams will be desperate because that's what Kenny Vaccaro did, right? He waited and mm-hmm. waited and waited. Tennessee had an injury, and instead of the two million, the two million a year offers he was getting, he got five from Tennessee because Tennessee was like, oh shit, we need a safety. Um, so I think he could be doing that. And 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 at that price, Dave, I think you would be a sucker. But if he wants to sign for the Saints for the minimum with nothing guaranteed, like who cares, man? If his shoulder falls off, they just cut him. Like you know, yeah, no, I agree like, with that. You know, um, I'm still annoyed they didn't get Robert Quinn for. Of 2020. Oh, that's that's one thing I was going to mention because I didn't get a chance to chime in on that while you guys were debating that. So, first of all, I think the compensation is kind of there. There's no way the Saints weren't going to pay a fifth in 2020 or six in 2020. In fact, they probably would have upped the offer to a fifth. So, like, this was never about what the Dolphins were going to get in terms of compensation, like there was a huge component to this, which was 
will Quinn agree to sign a new deal? So this was all about the contract and it had nothing to do with the compensation, in my opinion. Like the Saints definitely would have given up that pick to get him. Um, ultimately, he signed for what, one year, 10 million with Dallas, correct? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, the Saints can't really afford that. I mean, I, I'm sure Loomis. They can't. Try, I mean, they, I'm sure Loomis could find a way, but like, I don't think they have 10 million in cap space right now. So, like, that's the thing. I like, thought they a did. One, I thought they had a whole bunch. I thought they had like 18 million. That was before they signed uh, Jared Cook and mm. PJ Williams. And PJ Williams is five against the cap alone. So, yeah. And I mean, they, they you know, yeah, the thing is, you, you, just, you, you just don't want to have a, they, uh, the thing is, too, they have a lot of guys coming and they, and, and you, you, you can, they can, you know, if you, if, if they have to eject after one year on cooks, you know, and eat $2 million, it's no big deal. But if you have to eat $2 million on cooks and maybe Murray is bad and it's $2 million here and it's $2 million for that guy, like then it starts to add up. So you don't want to have too many of these contracts that you're, you're finagling and stretching out via Loomis Math. You can do two or three of them and figure, you know, one of them, two of them will bomb and you'll have to eat three to six right. million dollars. But once you get into the range where you're doing a ton of them and then you're eating, you know – Eight, ten, twelve million dollars of uh, because you, you have to kill three or four bad contracts. That's like a really good player, so um, it gets dicey, you know. So we got a bunch of people uh, l- listening or watching live on YouTube, and if you go all the way to the right, let's let's get the chat going. Uh, we've got Ninja Coordinator that's that's uh, carrying all the weight for you guys, but if you go all the way to the right on that YouTube page. Um, there is a chat option, and we'd yeah. love to hear from you. Yeah, so. and we're we're gonna try to do. Uh, well, with like podcast said, is almost over, so maybe next week. You can maybe, maybe next week, but just uh, <laughs> I, Ralph, I feel like you need to let people know because I'm guessing a lot of people on the YouTube page don't see the chat on the right. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, so we're gonna tr- we're gonna try to do more of these live stream chats uh, in addition to just live streaming the mon- the the big show. We're gonna try to do more of them as the draft gets nearer. Um, but. Uh, sign up, do the seven minutes of Saints. It's seven dollars a month. You get a bunch of extra podcasts. Do it. Oh it's awesome. yeah! Remember, you hear that every, music? And remember, everybody on Patreon, on May first, gets a free beer koozie. So get yourself to Patreon if you haven't already. Do it now. So for Dave, for Andrew, for Kevin, who's drunk watching WrestleMania, uh, I'm Ralph Marlboro. Until next week, the bar is closed. Are you guys going to send me a koozie? This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And 
Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash match. Just go to indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. 